Why do you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hello. And today we are doing our annual tradition. I can now say annual, right, Tyler? It's the third one, so yeah, I think you can say annual. So now it's technically annual. The annual tradition of going through our top ten of the previous year. So it is January 2021. Tyler's finally caught up on... Yeah, it's going to real run. It'll post in February, but yeah. Yeah, you've caught up on most of the the movies you have access to watching um, that came out in 2020. I am very, very far behind you, but we have whittled it down to the top 10 favorite movies of the past year. Well, okay. So mine, mine is movies. You have a few TV shows because, listen, you watched a lot of TV shows this year, and here's the other thing. We... Usually can do a whole just movie um, episode because we go we see a lot of movies in the theater. We go on a date nights. We go to the theater. Well, we haven't done that since a year, so we're we're just calling this the best of the pandemic year. Yes, it kind of is from the point of when we kind of started to like stay in our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was February. We you know we were a little bit more we were a little worried about this before it really hit the fan. So we were kind of taking it easy on the public uh, movie going and things like that in February. And so uh, yeah. We're going to call this Best of the Pandemic Year. You're going to have some TV in there. I have some special prizes that are not TV. But I actually ended up seeing about as many movies as I always do. Uh, so yeah. I don't know how that happened. But I managed to find things to watch. Of course you did. I imagine if this were a tr- typical year, my list would look different. But sure. but it, it, pretty, it has some similar uh, themes that have shown up in the past. I was, I was thinking about that, about my list. Would it be different? And there would be a lot more if you just kind of added more blockbusters kind of into the fold. And I don't know if those would necessarily have made it. But, you know, then again, we did lose a Wes Anderson movie that got bumped to 2021. We mm-hmm. lost a Spielberg West Side Story. We lost some other things that maybe could have done. So yeah, I'm sure the list is the, a little different. The, but not that we missed, but that didn't come out. Didn't come out. They'll put it out next year, or this 2021 now. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we've still got a long way to go on Sally. Gotcha. So the trailer that we opened up with was from Promising Young Woman, and it will show up in at least one of our lists somewhere. So you have to stay tuned to find out. Yeah, you could also check out our last episode on Miss Congeniality for Sandy New Year, in which at the beginning we did talk a little bit spoiler-free of Promising Young Woman. We'll try to be spoiler-free what? again. Why? Because it's barely out. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That's, that's <laughs> You still fair. have to pay premium to rent it right now. That's fair, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay, so Tyler, what do you want to kick off with? We're not going to do our typical What You've Been Watching, no. because this is What You've Been Watching All, all Year Long. All Year Long. Uh, let's start with 10. Let's just start with 10. We'll let, you can sprinkle in special prizes as you want to go, and I'll do that the same. And I don't have special prizes. Okay, I do. Because you added TV, I added just three special prizes. I'll just sprinkle them in. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Okay, so friends, if you um, go back and listen to this podcast from last year, um, you'll listen and you'll realize that I picked a movie for my number 10 slot that, you know, probably didn't make 
make a lot of top tens, and that was Dora the Explorer last year. Yeah, he sure did pick that one. And so in similar spirits, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought it appropriate and fitting because there was one this year that qualifies to pick like a kid movie that um, it, that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And our I kids liked, enjoyed. That I enjoyed and that was like a, a throwback and uh, funny and well cast and, and got a good tone for what it was. And that little movie's called Sonic the Hedgehog, coming in at number 10 for me. It's a pretty amazing. I remember when the first trailer for that came out and he looked like a monstrosity and they had to go back and change the effects to make him look more like Sonic. Look, that movie is a lot better than it has any right to be. Yes, <laughs> I agree. When I first, um, you were telling me about it, I was like, no, no. No, not going to watch it. Don't care about it. That's and we didn't stupid. see it in the theater. I mean, we just eventually when it was available to rent, it was when we watched it maybe in the summertime. Yeah. But in theory, a movie that's based on a Sega Genesis <laughs> video game character from 1990-whatever. Yeah, they continue to make Sonic games. Yeah, it shouldn't be good. No. <laughs> it should not but, be. <laughs> um, Jean-Ralphio, uh, the actor Ben Schwartz... Who yeah. plays Jean Ralphio on Parks and Rec? Yeah. Um, Voice is Sonic, and I feel like that casting he's was spot on because he's he strikes that like uh, childlike but sarcastic, and he he's funny. Yeah, and you got Jim Carrey in there uh, doing a very like '90s Jim Carrey performance, very over the top as the but villain. But it like fits. In yeah, the it fits movie. the it fits the tone like, of the movie. It's perfect yeah. as the villain, and it's not too much it's like fits the the over the top fits oh yeah i mean it's it's, it's definitely too much but he's he's but not he's not the lead of the movie, movie. yeah it's not it, too much for the movie it's it perfectly in line with with what this I, movie you know is. like dora the explorer last year i i can't i mean it's not gonna be on my list but i mean i enjoyed dora the explorer the movie and i enjoyed sonic the hedgehog yeah. what are you gonna do and true story i've watched this the sonic movie now twice yes you so have i and so it held up <laughs> on second viewing in fact I, I thought it was maybe more fun. I actually liked it more on second viewing. I thought like I was a little bit like when I saw it the first time. I was like, I was. I think I was mostly in shock of how like not terrible it was. You're like, how many? So I was like, wait a minute. Have I had? Yeah, because that's definitely in play. <laughs> and then I, we watched again because the kids, you know, kids really like it. Um, yeah, one of our kids got it for Christmas or something, right? And, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was, it was it was still good. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Sonic the Hedgehog and you have kids at home, or you played Sonic, or you know someone who played Sonic, or you like Jim Carrey, yeah, or you like Jean Ralphio. It's on VOD. It might be on another pre, like maybe like a Showtime or a Stars at this point, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, number ten. That was your number ten. My number ten is um, a movie called Spontaneous. This is from uh, Brian Duffield, and it stars Catherine Langford and Charlie Plummer. And it is the premise is, as we talked about maybe just a couple episodes ago, um, kids in a high school they just start and they start to randomly explode. Oh, yeah, I was going to watch this, but then I didn't yet. Yeah, I uh, got the DVD uh, real cheap, so you should watch it. Okay. Um, and it's this kind of romance, and it's 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 surprise, you know, it's kind of a dark comedy, but it's surprisingly, it takes its premise pretty seriously, and I really love that. And I, I th- thought it kind of sneakily had a lot to say about kind of like uh, the aftermath of trauma. It definitely has this, uh, you know, vibe about school shootings that's been going, you know, that's going on there, but it still has this, it's at the center of this character of, She's very sardonic and 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 funny, so it's not always just like this dour movie. But I mean, it touches on some heavy stuff and like victims' remorse and and you know, I just I was really surprised. It was like a ninety nine cent rental that I had heard was kind of entertaining, and I was just really surprised by how much I liked it. So it's a perfect number ten movie. 
spontaneous. It's a you can VOD it right now. Uh, okay, or you can cheap DVD buy it. Like it was on Amazon, super cheap DVD. I picked it up because I knew we were going to eventually watch it. Define so. super cheap. Like what are eight, we talking? Like eight bucks for a That's new movie? Super cheap for a new movie? Super cheap is three dollars for a brand new movie. It's cheap. But I can rent it for ninety nine cents. Not anymore. That was a special. I think it's like two ninety nine to four ninety nine now. Mm, okay. Whatever. I'll probably watch. Why did you buy that? Are you gonna want to watch it again? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Re- but like, is it rewatchable? Yeah, I think so. I think it's really good. All right, I'll buy that. It's in my freaking top ten list. I'd rewatch anything in my top ten list. To be fair. Okay. That's fair. I would not, not, I would, come on. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I will watch everything twice in my top ten list, but I, I, I would. Okay. Yeah. That was spontaneous. What's your number nine? My number nine is not a movie. Oh. Okay. So, funny story about my number nine. I was reading an article somewhere, and it was like, Stephen King recommends this show. And I thought it was, it had the word dark in it. So, I go on Netflix, I look up dark. And, uh, it's like I watched, a thousand things with dark. Yeah, so I watched this. I watched like two or three seasons of the show about this blind girl who's in the dark, and she uh, she is a part of it, gets involved in trying to solve a crime and stuff. But that's not the show. That is not the show. Oh, okay. But then later, I'm talking to someone. They're talking about the show Dark, and I'm like, oh, I, th- I think that's the show. Because I was like, dark. this was fine. Um, so yeah, Dark is a Netflix's first German original series, um, and. It has three seasons. It's not going to have any more seasons. So I watched seasons one through three this year. But mm-hmm. the third season came out this year. Um, and it's a pretty interesting um, sci-fi show that kind of crosses... Okay, so another reason... I'd actually seen this recommendation from Netflix. But the promo is like, a missing child, blah, blah, blah. And my first instinct on a story that's like a missing kid is like, I don't fucking need that in my life, right? Yeah. I'm a parent. I stress about that stuff. So I avoided watching it for a long time. Also, because I was watching that other show that I thought was this show. Dark Girl. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, so it Dark starts Angel. off with I was with thinking the, that Jessica Alba show. Yeah. <laughs> it starts off with, like, missing kids in a town, but then it spans, like, four generations, and it has, like, twisty, puzzly time travel. Um, and I watched it in German with uh, subtitles, and it was really good. It was, you know, it's just... You're trying to solve, you're trying to figure out, like, who's that, and when are they, and what mm-hmm. time period, and then, like, people go back and forth in the future, and then they, like, stay there, so then you're like, now who is that as an adult, and it's really, like, sucks you in, and is very, but kind of, it's also kind of dark, you know, because yeah. of the show title, Dark. Yeah. Anyway. Dark. Highly recommend. On Netflix. I feel like most people who, who, uh... I'm gonna check my list real quick, I'm gonna make sure of something, um... Let me just confirm you're, you're this. You're just being a dick. I know no, no, I'm not. Say, I'm not going to say something mean. No, I'm confirming this, and it's correct. Usually, I'm the one who will put a foreign language film in my top ten. I do not have one in my top ten. Oh. You have that. Just, you know, I'm just saying. And more. Maybe more. Possibly more. It's because, like, I'm so much more sophisticated Yeah, you're very than sophisticated you know. now. You're, you've you leapfrogged me. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was your number nine. Before I do my number nine, this seems like a good opportunity to throw in one of my special prizes. Oh, a special prize from S- Tyler Wilson. Special prize. Uh, because you're letting TV into this one, I wanted to kind of showcase. I don't watch a lot of television, but one thing that you and I did watch together was we picked up, I think this aired, it technically, I think, started airing in 2019, and then it finished its season in 2020. And that was Watchmen on HBO. Yes. We just watched it once they put it out on Blu-ray. Um, man, it's good. Um, I 
really you know like the, the own the old comic you know that comics that you know that graphic novel um it's a, you know that's a great piece of work and then the, of course the movie that Zack Snyder did is not all that good um and this is kind of a it's a sequel series really um which i you know i think you were a little bit nervous starting it cuz like you didn't know I don't think you remember even thing, even a little bit about the Watchmen movie, let Still alone watch the thing. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, at the start of it, we were I was kind of trying to be like, okay, well, that character is kind of like that, but actually, the show surprisingly does like slowly weave in all the information you really need. And I just thought it was a really, um, yeah, it just socially relevant, uh, compelling. It, it didn't, but it still like played true to the genre. I, I just really enjoyed it. Regina King, right, is the. The star there, and that leads into my next thing. But um, I just, yeah, it was a great execution of like a follow up of that story, and um, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed watching it. It's like eight episodes. Um, I think I commented when we've talked about it before about how it's one of those shows that, although it's not a historical movie, it has historical fiction in it. Yeah, and any show that can in, can intertwine history into it that makes you go, "Geez, what did happen in Oklahoma and whatever?" Yeah, year that it opens was. with that sequence, and it's uh, yeah, really. Um, yeah, I think that's good because it's people. I think it's good for folks like me who ha- haven't been taught that history, and yep. it inspires me to both be entertained, see a story from a new perspective, and learn something about our history that. I didn't know before. So that's Watchmen. That's HBO. You can see it on HBO Max now, of course. Um, but that leads into number nine for me, which is One Night in Miami, directed by Regina King. Uh, it's her directorial debut, and this is based on a play that kind of puts its, you know, loosely, you know, it's a fictionalized version of this night where Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown were. Um, in the same evening after Muhammad Ali, a fight with Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay at the time, and they just kind of sit in a hotel room and have this uh, friendly discussion that, you know, evolves into something else. And, uh, yeah, it's really well acted. Uh, Kingsley Benadir as Malcolm X, I was blown away by because he's doing something that is not like what Denzel does in Malcolm X, which is important because i mean that malcolm x is a great movie with a towering performance right and what was good about this was that you know it's a, it's a character in this movie that doesn't have to do speeches and things like yeah. that and i just i'm so glad that he was able to like it didn't didn't there was no comparing the two performances i thought was so good and then of course leslie odom jr is sam cook uh from you know from hamilton and he is excellent in that role and the other two are are really good and it's a st- you know it's a stage show. We watched a few of these movies this year where people are stuck in a room because it's based on a play. But I thought this was the most uh, kind of dynamic uh, film, most dynamic film. It was the best story. That I just really enjoyed uh, watching it. It was a kind of a fun piece of uh, historical fiction, if you will. So one night in Miami, we watched it as part of a virtual film festival. Yeah, we did. But now it is on Amazon Prime for anybody to watch with that service. Yeah, we watched it on our laptop yeah. on our bed. For middle, I think it was the Middleburg uh, Film Festival. I uh, got it digital access to that, so that was good, though. I was trying to see who. I remember us talking about this, and the guy who plays Malcolm X is also in a show I loved, The OA. Kingsley Benadire. Yeah, he's a British actor. He's very yeah, good. He's excellent. Very very good. Okay, that was my nine. One night in Miami. And what did your dad think about that one? He oh, he, I just talked to him about this, watching that. He was recovering from COVID. He's doing better, which is good. Um. And he loved it. I bet I, if I had to guess, it probably was going to maybe a recency bias, but it'll be maybe his favorite movie of the year. Probably, maybe. Yeah. 
good movie to recommend to your dads, people. I think it's a good movie to recommend to anybody. I think it's really strong. But it's also a good dad movie. It is. (laughs) Because it's like the time period. Yeah. It's perfect for us old millennials who have dads kicking around. (laughs) That was awkward. Yes, it was. What I was thinking. Yes, it was very awkward. (laughs) Very awkward. What's your number eight? Oh, counting. Uh, let's counting. I didn't. Oh no, I did number them. Okay. This one didn't show up in your top ten. It's pretty low in yours. Um, but this movie was actually recommended by someone I work with who mm-hmm. was like, oh, hey, I know you have kids. This is like a PG movie, um, you know, that you might also enjoy. So, number seven, Troop Zero, mm-hmm. which is a PG movie. It has uh, Alice and Janie. Janie and Viola Davis. Yeah. And the little girl's name is McKenna Grace. And it's kind of a girl empowerment story about a group of weird kids who are poor who kind of want to join like what what we would call like girl scouts sure and they have to kind of make their own troop and they're just a bunch of you know it's an underdog story of a bunch of weird girls it's a small town and these are the girls that are not part of you know they're they're poorer i would say or they're 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 not part of the they're not part of the you know and they don't have they've not had the skills to kind of learn some of the things they have to do for badges and things like that they won't even get like, they don't even get, like, the proper gear or even the proper badges to even, like, try to earn because they're treating yeah. the group so poorly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Allison Janney plays the, like, the troop mother of, like, the good group. She's, like, in charge of everything. So she's Southern and she's snooty. But she's not... What I liked about the movie, actually, quite a bit was that her and the Viola Days character have history and they're not necessarily, yeah. like, enemies. And I kind of appreciated that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit more dynamic. It's got than, some tension and some stuff there. But, but yeah, Allison Janney's not, like, a straight villain in it, which no. I think is, is important. But she is sometimes, but then not. She's really good in Bad Education, that HBO movie, that she... she similar kind of thing where she's kind of doing some bad stuff, but she's still, you know... Allison Janney, she's likable. It's tough to... Yes. So this movie was directed by British female um, directors Bert and Bertie. Yep. From a screenplay by Beasts of the Southern Wild co-writer Lucy Alibar, who you like that movie? You I like, like Beasts movie? of the Southern Wild. I haven't seen that guy's new movie. And it was inspired by her play, her 2010 play, Christmas and Jubilee, Behold the Meteor Shower. So Yeah, all right. Based on a play. Very good. I like it. I think the line that Allison Janney says that sums it up is like, what kind of world would it be if every strange girl thought she could be whatever she wanted? Mm. And it's just it's a charming, sweet story that we could watch with our whole family. And they, yeah, our and kids seem to enjoy really it, good. too. I mean, it, for um, kind of a... It's not really meant for kids, necessarily, but they our oldest liked it. Yes. And, that's kind of, and it was funny, and it's an underdog story. It makes mm-hmm. it feel good. And if you have little girls at home, it's a good one to watch. That's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So if you want to watch it, you can watch that. Zero. Number seven. I thought it was number eight. Oh. Is that what we're on over eight? Yeah, we were doing eight. Oh, that was my number seven. Okay, well, next time... do switch it. Okay, that's a good idea. Let's switch it. Yeah, that was number eight. Okay, great. Why don't you make sure you make a note that you switch those? (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you some time because I think we're going to encounter possibly a rule that we'll have to invoke, which is if we mention a movie... That is higher on the other person's list. We're going to hold talking about it. Actually, that's for, that works as a number eight. I okay. like that. Yep. So my number eight is The Invisible Man. And oh. that, I believe, is higher on your list. And so we will wait until we get to your and spot. it should be higher on your list. To talk about it. Yes, The Invisible Man. Okay, The Invisible Man is my number eight. We will talk about it later. Because you like it, too. I do. What's your number seven so now? number seven. Okay. That's like the number seven, right? Is Minari. Okay. So, Minari is a movie. It's directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It's a semi-autobiographical uh, movie, kind of about his uh, 
you know, it's about a family who is an immigrant family who moved to, what's the state? Arkansas. Arkansas, and they try to start a farm. And it's, you know, really tough. It's just a family to, you know, one small boy who's got some breathing problems, an older sister, and then their grandma uh, comes and tries, you know, comes to help take care of the kids. And, um, yeah, it's great. It's in my, I would say it's in my next, it's in my 11 through 20. If I, my written list that I made, it's in the middle of 11 through 20. I really enjoyed it. We watched that through the Middleburg Film Festival as well. Yes. You're lucky. It's currently not available for anybody else oh, to watch. Sorry, suckers. It actually, it, I think it's debuted in, you know, open theaters, quote unquote, uh, as it, it may be in early February and then it'll be on some streaming or VOD at the end of February. So. Okay, so it's an American story. Yes. But it's mostly in Korean. Yes, it is. Because it's a Korean-American fa- family. Yeah. First generation. I really like it. I like um, the little boy actor. He's great. I like the dad actor. Stephen Young, who's in, like, who was in The Walking Dead forever and his other stuff. And I think that the story of first generation um, Asian-Americans coming and trying to become farmers, um, you know, I relate to that story. I'm, like, fourth generation, but... Up but you above, have family members. I have family that, members yeah. who came to America and became farmers. And I think, you know, I maybe haven't done a good job of asking my family all the stories of how hard it was for them or what that looked like. But I know that what, my dad was so happy to get out of farming because farming <laughs> sucks and it's so much work. You and did some farming. I did. I spent five summers working in a cornfield. <laughs> and that's, that's called college motivation. Yeah. But, you know, I really related to the story of how difficult it is. And I think that in our culture today, we are so, you know, separate from our food that we don't always appreciate where it comes from. Mm, yeah. Unless you're like a hipster who goes to the farmer's market. And then you think that's all farming is. But farming sucks and always has sucked. And, it's but, hard. <laughs> but, you know, on the flip side, it provided an avenue for a lot of immigrants to America to to build themselves. Oh, this, fam- I, this family struggles, though. <laughs> but I bet like, if, if that story continued three, yeah. four generations down, yeah. I mean, I, I have family members who are big-time farmers, and they are doing very well. Yeah. So, you know, I like that story. Minari. Minari's great. It's uh, definitely going to be an awards player going forward. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd watch... if it Whenever it goes to streaming again, I'd like to watch it again. But. Plus, it's set in the 80s. Is it set in the 80s? Yeah. I can't remember exactly. It's got a little it's 80s. 70s or 80s, I thought. It's got a little 80s touch to it. Even yeah. like his hat that he wears. Like I have pictures of family members. That kid is good. Like he's like, he's adorable. So he was like only four or five maybe, but he's, it's a good little performance. And the, him, his dynamic with the grandma is great. Yeah. So. Very good. Number seven for you mm-hmm. was Minari. Good choice. Thanks. My number seven <laughs> is called Dick Johnson is Dead. I know. I watched the trailer for this with you, and I really wanted to see it. It's on Netflix. You should definitely watch it. I'd watch it again with you. It is a documentary by Kristen Johnson, who made another strange documentary that's kind of a... She used to film a lot of... She was a uh, cinematographer for documentaries. And so she when she made a, it was a movie called Camera Person, it was just this weird and strangely hypnotic montage of her some of her footage from all these movies that she had shot anyway so she's kind of made an already a very unorthodox documentary this is also an unorthodox in that she follows her father around um who's kind of aging and who's kind of starting to show signs of dementia and as a way of coping with that they decide to like professionally film like death scenes Mm -hmm. where like they drop an air conditioner on his you know pretend drop an air conditioner on his head or accidentally get his neck slit by a beam um (laughs) just a bunch of stuff like that and then also they they film like these fantasy sequences of like what his afterlife would be 
And so there's the hook, right? And it's kind of got this darkly comic vibe, but man, it combine that with some of the stuff that they do and some of the revelations and just kind of this relationship they have together is really powerful. And it's, it's one of several, it's one of like <laughs> three movies really, maybe more, I can't, maybe there's a fourth one even that deal with dementia and kind of that, that I really like this year. The other two are in the, like, but my 11 through 20, but, and I'll mention them later, but it's just, um, it's sad, it, it, but it's, the relationship is so, uh, tender, but real. And uh, yeah, anytime that you can really kind of hit me with that, plus just, you know, like it's kind of was spontaneous. You kind of cut it with a dark edge a little bit and it just, I don't know, I think it makes it all the more powerful, but really unique documentary and, um, yeah, insightful about dementia and what it does too, which I enjoyed. So Dick Johnson is dead. It's on Netflix. It's really good, really good. You would like it, I think. I think I probably would. Yeah, that's what number seven. Number seven. Good job, Taylor. <laughs> we're cr- we're almost going too quickly. It no, we're weird. not. It's fine. Sure? Yeah, we're doing good. Are you sure? Yes, it's okay. great. So we're number six. Why are we going too? They're not going too fast. This is we're this going is exactly. This is we're going want, exactly how we should. Okay, we're doing it perfectly. This is our. Th- it's not our first fucking rodeo. Dang language, Tyler. <laughs> Been doing this for three dang years. Okay, my okay. next one. Number six. Yeah, that number six is my second and last uh, TV show that I'll okay. be including. Um, and this is a TV show that you have not watched, but I would love for you to watch. I have watched the whole thing from beginning to end two or three times, and now it has had its series finale. And no... I know what it is. I am not talking about Supernatural. I'm talking... You're talking about... I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but Supernatural what did have its series finale this year. It didn't. But it's not like a good show. Like, I'm I'm attached to it. And, yes, you and are. I love Dean and Sam, but, like, it's not, like, a good, good show. Right, it's a guilty pleasure. Anyway, what is a good show is The Magicians. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something else. What did you think I was gonna say? I was, but maybe that maybe is Schitt's Creek's last season did not that not count as twenty twenty or did that come out last year? I don't know. Because you love that show too and you always want me to watch that too. And I have only I watched a couple episodes. I've only watched a couple episodes of that and I liked it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. No, I would love for you to watch The Magicians. Okay. Because it's like Okay, so those of um, our listeners who've been paying attention might pick up on the fact that you were, like, the sweetest little feminist in the world. (laughs) And The Magicians, although it is, like, a Gotta watch out for those nice guys, Angie. I know. Although it's, like, a fantasy sci-fi show is very much, like, a matriarchal show. So, like, Mm. the female characters are are crass, but also gorgeous and funny and strong. And it's just... It's kind of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, tone... But like for but mature audiences, there's like f bombs galore. So I appreciate that. Is it actually written by women as opposed to Joss Whedon? I <laughs> no, I don't know about. I mean, it has some female producers on it. I don't mean to dog on Buffy now. I know that we're Joss Whedon is less popular, but Buffy was well loved. Yes, it was. Yeah, but this is instead of like teenagers and high schoolers, which you know I have an affinity for. Mm-hmm. This is college students who um it's kind of like they're young adults entering like dumb the world of like harry potter almost like they they're magicians obviously so they go to school to learn magic and it's really about like 
the that young adult period from, you know, 18 to 23 where you're just fucking up over and over and over. Just everything goes to shit. You are just a shitty person during that time period. And right. all the characters are terrible and they all fuck up and are horrible, but they forgive each other and they grow and, you know, there's magic also. Magic. There's magic. And also it's like they tra- there's this world that's kind of like, um, what's that name of the book where they go through the wardrobe? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, the Chronicles. So it's kind of like that, where like the characters realize that this world that's kind of like Chronicles of Narnia is like a real world. Which character represents Jesus? It doesn't do that okay. thing. <laughs> yeah, it, do- it does some a lot of allegorical things, but not like straight up like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, it had its final season, um, and it was very good. And it's it was... I read a good AV article about it. AV before, Club. AV Club article about it that was like... Um, in this final season, they grew up, right? So they've been angsty and fucking up. Mm-hmm. So it's like this last season was good, but they had less of that, like, misery pounding through them. So it lost a little bit of that that charm to it. But it was very, 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 very good. I feel like you watched this first when there was three seasons. And then when the fourth season came out, you rewatched the whole thing and then yes. watched season four. And then when the fifth season came out, you rewatched the whole thing and watched season five. Correct. Yeah, that's what I That thought. is correct. I recommend doing that. <laughs> I I will... This is one of those shows that I, I would watch every year. I would start from the beginning and just watch it. They are my friends. I will visit uh, them once a year. Okay. It's a great show. Gotcha. Cool. I, I know you love it. That's and for sure. And you'll never watch it. And that's okay. <laughs> I might watch it. I think you would like parts of it. I, I think there are parts it. of it where you'd be like, why are you making me watch this? But, I mean, I could just watch The Office again. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty gross, though, too. So there's. I think you would like it. Or I could just watch Community again. That's <laughs> what I do. It is what you do. Yeah, I, I, it's a true yeah. story. I see a lot of new movies. I'll watch anything new movie-wise because I'm like, I know it'll be over in two hours. But, like, we didn't even finish Stranger Things. No, I know we didn't. <laughs> We're still, like, a season. And I like Stranger Things. I, mean, it was, I was not vibing on that season, though, very well. And it was one of those where it's like, if it doesn't hook you in to keep going, then it's easy to set aside. Yeah. Well, I, I struggle with shows if I, if I get the sense that after two hours that like this could have been a movie i'm like i don't want to watch 10 more of these (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yes and and that's 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 a hasty comment of course obviously but um i just i tend to watch movies more i watched Watchmen. i watched the mandalorian come on um all right my number six yeah that's what we're talking about is uh from a director that on this podcast i named uh my number one movie of the year uh, maybe a couple years ago, last year, two years ago, uh, Black Klansman by mm-hmm. Spike Lee was mm-hmm. my favorite movie of that year. Yeah. Didn't quite make it to the top this year, but still very much in the top 10 with The Five Bloods. You've been trying to get me to watch that, and I it's on my list. I think I you promise. should watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, so it's about these older guys, this group of four guys who were soldiers in Vietnam. They lost their squad member, who's played by the late Chadwick Boseman. Um who, you know, obviously, well, no, sadly, I don't want to watch it. It's gonna sadly, be sad. died. He's not in much of the movie, and he and he dies in the movie. Well, um, that's right away, sad now, he's, I mean, it's not he he dies in the past. So, you know, you get some flashbacks with him, right? And so these four guys decide to go back um, when they're older uh, to recover his body, but also recover some gold they found. Mm-hmm. And so you have this kind of crazy dynamic of these four guys who haven't really seen each other. Uh, Delray Lindo, who you know I love, um, is one of them and his son ends up kind of dragging along. He's Jonathan Majors from Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, so yeah. you'd recognize him. 
And um, Delroy Lindo is this. I mean, it's an amazing performance. It's uh, if you, you know, you know, you know my, you know my I love of Delroy Lindo. I do and has uh, don't want anybody peeking in his Congo cameo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love him, and he's playing this like he's like a Trump supporting uh, black man, mm-hmm. and his friends are are they're just they don't understand that he wears a MAGA hat the whole no, movie. What and um. And it's and he it's just a crazy, um, crazy amazing big performance from Delray Lindo, in one of the scenes of the year, uh, in a very Spike Lee, you know Spike. What I love about Spike Lee and I, he's you know especially the last couple recently recent years watching kind of rewatching some of his movies and seeing ones I haven't seen before, he's becoming one of my favorite directors because I just love the audacity. He'll try it. He'll go for it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Even this movie is a little messy, and mm-hmm. I love that it's a little messy. Like, even the flashbacks, he doesn't age them or use mm-hmm. different actors. They're just, like, those four old guys doing these action scenes, and they're like, hair's a little darker. It's kind of comical, mm-hmm. but it's just, like, that's what he, he wanted to use the actors. He didn't want to, like, digitize their faces, and he didn't want to use younger people. He wanted to use those guys. Hey, um, guess what? People can imagine that they're younger, and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. They're shooting guns. I mean, it, it, you know, whatever. Um... But there's this, I mean, there's an amazing scene with Delroy Lindo where he's just like monologuing to the camera, looking at the camera, and it, it's one of the scenes of the year, and it, I just, I just love the, the boldness of this. It's, it's an adventure movie. It's, it takes some twists and turns that you don't necessarily expect from the start, and, uh, you know, like old Spike Lee movies has a lot to say about culture. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's throwing in a, freak, a freaking black Trump supporter in the middle of these other guys. I mean, it, right off the bat, he's just kind of, He's knocking people together to, for for conflict. So, yeah, I just I I really like the Five Bloods, and I think you would like it as well. Sounds like you just need to put it on for me one night. Yeah, it's, and then we'll watch it. It's worth it. It's worth the okay. it, it's worth the watch. It's on Netflix. So, nice. the Five Bloods. I want to go watch it right now. Let's just pause the podcast. Okay. and we'll go watch it. Number six, the Five Bloods. Number six, the Five Bloods. Duh. Five Bloods. Duh, D-A, and then the five is a five on the screen. As a white person, is it okay if I say Duh, Five Bloods? Or it's the title it of the like movie. I'm being racist? Calm down, Jesus. <laughs> it's fine. We're all allies here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, nice snort, Tyler. I like that. Okay, we are moving on to the top half of our lists. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, plus I special prizes still, so. Special prizes. <laughs> Such a nerd. Oh, my God. Special prizes. Okay, number five for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull it up so that I can share facts of it. Yay, facts. Um, is a movie, um, uh, actually perfect timing to talk about right now with uh, Groundhog's Day. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Hometown's right around the corner. Hometown. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> For those of you non-badge Don't friends. even explain it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just leave it there. Just- Leave it Just there. leave it there. <laughs> okay. My number five movie is a 2020 comedy rated R, Palm Springs. Oh, yeah. Starring... Love Palm Springs. Andy Samberg. And Kristen... And Kristen Milioti. Kristen Milioti. Or Kristen Milioti. You'll remember her from being the mother on How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. See you tomorrow. I can't 
can't keep waking up in here. At least you have each other. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. Gotta make way for the home this is on the edge of my top ten. Yeah, I love it. It's so funny. It's a Groundhog's Day situation. It's rated R. Andy Samberg is cute and adorable and lovable and funny. And I think very, like, good in the movie. Like, yes. dramatically, I would say, too. Christy Miliotti is also excellent. She's probably, she's really, like, the, I would say the standout. But It's so good. I want to just go watch it yeah. again right now. Well, it is a Groundhog Day premise. You know, they're stuck at this wedding. And what I love about it is it kind of... It starts out with the loop has been going on a long time for Andy Samberg's character and, and Kristen Miliotti is kind of new to the loop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of, like, Groundhog Day ripoffs. Yes. But particularly Almost. in the Christmas movie, like, straight-to-video yeah. uh, segment. And, al- and also, I feel like if you're a fan of Supernatural shows... Yeah, they do. It, there's always a Groundhog Day episode. You know, they have... Yeah. So, it, I think it's, it's tough. done a lot. I think it's tough to do it fresh because it's... You know, there's only you can only approach um, Groundhog Day so many times. I think you know, like Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day. Do you have fun with it by you know playing on horror tropes in the middle yes, of it, right? Also good. But Palm Springs is, I, I think, what what makes it work really well is it they take it seriously. The characters try to take a scientific approach to getting out of it. Um, the relationship drama between them is actually pretty pretty strong. They've got great chemistry. Um, you know, between this and and Brooklyn Nine Nine, I think Andy Samberg is sneakily a good actor. Um, yeah, I just—it's a great. I'm glad you chose it because it was on the edge of my list. So yeah, I'll go watch it again right now. Excellent. It's laugh out loud funny. Yeah, and it's fun to watch a movie that's it, that you know the loop and just to watch it again from the beginning is one of those that's fun to rewatch. Yeah, especially the the opening. 10 minutes because you know you, you don't quite know exactly what's going on right away and then yes. it's fun to kind of go back and see see what you see yeah. um and jk simmons is also just so good he's got a supporting bit as mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's quite something in it too mm-hmm. um yeah palm springs that's on hulu you can watch it on, on hulu. hulu hulu we have all these streaming services because we're suckers because we don't pay for cable so you know we even have peacock oh i should add that as a special price oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Go okay. watch Palm Springs, people, so we can talk about it. Was that your number five? Yeah. Okay, my number five. I think it's time for another special prize. Don't you think? Yeah. And it's almost time for my tea time, so do your special prize and I'll have some tea. Okay. My special prize is probably my favorite thing of the pandemic year. But it was so weird to, like, say, is this a movie? Because especially... And I think it is a movie. It's, we're talking about Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I think it is a movie. It's just that my love of Hamilton precedes the movie coming out. Like I've had the soundtrack for years. I've not. I didn't. I wasn't able to. Haven't seen the show in person. We've um, seen a couple specials on PBS. Yeah, specials. I have like a couple books on it. I mean, I love it so much. I love the soundtrack. It's something that I've I've listened to probably hundreds of times at this point, Yikes. which is unusual for me at, at this age stage in my life. I you know when I was a kid, I listened at this to all sorts. Stage of my life. No. Sorry. I'm Keep saying going. when you're when we were younger, obviously we listened to like a lot of the same music over and over yeah. again. Now in the world we live in, where music is abundantly available, 
and there's so many things to listen to, and we're busy, and we're doing other things. And people you, rarely listen to albums. Yes, we don't really listen. And, I, yeah. I mean, I still like listening to albums, but even then, I move on. I don't listen to the same thing over and over again unless it's a Fiona Apple album, and then I will. I do uh, because I just leave the one CD in my car, and that's why I listen to all of 2020. Well, that's true. Oh yeah, you have that Lumineers. Oh, I, I know that album really well because you've had that in there all year. <laughs> Um, Sorry. That's how like a Billy Irish album I've heard a lot too because it was yeah. in the it was in the van. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, but Hamilton I've listened to so many times, so it's hard to classify. But for this to come out for uh, to and I think it's a really well done uh, production because they they filmed it over multiple nights with multiple cameras. They even went in and did special close ups and stuff without an audience to kind of make it more dynamic and to give us. I just think it's special that you know usually you don't get this something that's been. I think special for a lot of people, not just me, that just have gravitated toward it for whatever reason, um, to have that cast, like, film it and put that out. And, we, you know, we have that, you know, since they've long left the show and they've all become very famous and different things. And so it's just uh, – it's a big deal to me it's that we treasure. have it. It's a treasure. It's a damn treasure. Uh, you know, it, it's a – You know a- who deserves a huge reward mm-hmm. is obviously the editors. Yeah, I think that – so it's to weird. lay the tracks down and have several performances you're intertwining to make it to, yeah. to not make it noticeable to mm-hmm. make it it looks like one production. So it's weird. Like so, the Golden Globes are allowing it. Uh, the Oscars are not. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's all over the place. I you know I get it. I mean, it's won enough awards, right? Yeah. And you know, especially this year, there was some new cultural discussion about it and criticism, which I. I, I appreciate, but to me, um, it's just an amazing show. It's probably the best piece of work that I've seen. I mean, narratively speaking, take away the politics of it. Um, I just, the, the narrative of it and the music have, are just top notch. It speaks to Lin Manuel Miranda, like, wrote songs that are like 90s rap mm-hmm. <laughs> tinged and 90s RB tinged. And that's like for you. my jam, it's right? He wrote it for you. Tyler. So just the fact that we have it is, is special. So I, I didn't know where to put it anywhere. So it's just a special prize, Hamilton Disney Plus. Good job. Yeah. I we were, we did, we talked a lot about it when it came out and whatever episode that was. Go back into the archives. Okay. It's, we think we even made, we even might have labeled that one. Like whatever movie it was, and then we said plus Hamilton. Sometimes we do that with a big movie with the, we have a longer discussion on. So it's true we do that. It's a thing we do. Check it out on our if website. If you haven't, you've you're basically or just go watch yeah. it on Disney Plus. It feels like or everybody watch watched it, it. Every I watched it a few times. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I've seen that probably the most of anything in 2020 as well. I think it's three, <laughs> three, maybe just three times, which is not that many. But yeah. there you go. I hear that two times for Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay, special prize. Uh, You're up next. You're I am? Five. Did I not do my five? No. Oh, okay. Well, I got to keep talking then, don't I? Yeah. Okay, my number five is called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. This uh, was written and directed by Eliza Hitman, and it is a very small story of a teenager in a small town who, um, she's pregnant. She doesn't want to be pregnant. She wants to go and get an abortion. She can't in this town. The only place that's there is, uh place that like church shames her right when she walks in the door um and so her cousin um helps her so the two of them go on like a bus trip to new york city to try to take care of this and um it's it's a really incredible like just on the street um small drama right and what i loved about it was the performances are really good the lead actress is um let me look sydney flanagan and what I really appreciated about it was, you know, the, 
They don't have much money. They're trying to get to New York. They get a lot of just little challenges along the way. Nothing like crazy, but just little things, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing I appreciated about it, um, and it plays into like why the movie's called this too. Eventually, um, everywhere they go, and everyone who potentially helps them, you know, there's there's men around and and guys around, and they're young teenage girls, and they're the guys are always like. You never know whoever comes in their life. <laughs> the movie does a really good job of being like, this could be trouble. This guy could be trouble. This could be dangerous for you. And you don't know if that person's being nice, being weird, being, uh, uh, you know, planning something, right? And very quietly kind of depicts that over the course of the movie, just in little ways, mm-hmm. which I think really feeds into kind of what the movie's about. And especially another, like, it, really the tie for scene of the year is Delroy Lindo and Five Bloods and... The scene where she goes and she sits down with a counselor at one of these uh, places and she has to go through a kind of a personal survey where she has to answer never, rarely, sometimes, always. And it is uh, like a 10 minute, like wrenching shot. I mean, surprisingly amazing scene. And I, I really love, I mean, that scene's amazing, but I think the whole movie is really powerful in a, in a real quiet way. So never, rarely, sometimes, always. My number five. It's on HBO Max. You can watch I it. It sounds like I would like that movie. It's really, you know, it's small scale, but you know, as a fan of like Minari, I would say that that's that's the same kind of pace and tone. Mm-hmm. I would say, right? So, um, you can edit that little sneeze out, or you think you're oh, good? That's fine. Way to go. Forty-four that's, minutes. I'll mark it just in case. That's called being a pro. <laughs> You can sneeze quietly. You get props in podcasts. That's called being a pro. Talking seriously about movies does not match the mood I'm in, which I'm just like, let's be funny and fun and swear. But I'm just like, never really, sometimes, always about females facing the world and and about abortion. Sexual assault. And, And, you know, it's, by the way, it's not about, you know, it's about her going and getting abortion, but it's not a politically minded movie at all. This is just a circumstance that she's going to do. That's what she's going to do. And that's what she's decided to do, and is a challenge. And you know, there's not even—it's not even a statement of whether she should or shouldn't. She's just, this is just what she's doing, and this is the story of that. So mm-hmm. I just feel like it's not even trying to make any kind of political statement in that regard. Well, that's a hot button issue. That just by even addressing that topic, it's automatically politicized. It is, but um, you know, but good for that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> maker from. I don't know well, if that. you got a problem with it, then I guess don't watch it. Whatever. All right. Well, if you're feeling a little silly. Okay. I would like you, without looking at your list, oh, Tyler Wilson. Okay, you know, okay, I, only, I, I have airplane mode on. I just have my notes open. Okay, we're gonna have a little tea time because I'm empty. Okay, tea and time no, with mom, Tyler. it's not wine; it's actual tea. Ooh. See, that's my thermos opening. Now I'm gonna pour some hot water. You do put your wine in a thermos, though. I do not. <laughs> like it, like I need it to go in a thermos to last. That it long. will never last that long in this house. Once the bottle's open, it's done in a quite and short time period. I'm also not a fan of like like taking an alcoholic beverage with me somewhere. I'm always the driver, so that that doesn't fly. That's true. There's yeah. a reason why we make you the driver. Yeah, if you were always the driver, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be thermos whining it all the time. No, you wouldn't. You'd be throwing up in the thermos. Yeah, no, lightweight. Be throwing up in the Dutch Bros cup. Yeah, okay. Making it look like a purple smoothie. This, by, you know, by the way, we have a sponsor this week on our podcast, Dutch Bros. <laughs> Dutch Bros. Where you can throw up in their cups after hey, you drink you their have, delicious coffee. Do you have a 32 ounce empty? <laughs> <laughs> Fill it up. No. Fill it up with your wine bar. I do like their coffee. I'm not trying to diss them. But you did throw up in a cup once. Yeah, and it was red wine and it looked like a wild berry smoothie. Sure did. And they also have our very good. They do. <laughs> 
That's not it's a good thing you didn't leave it in the car. Someone might have made a mistake with that. That's not the uh, only time I've barfed in a cup in the car in this the last, is... what, five So this years. isn't tea time with Tyler. This is barf time with uh, Angie. All right, Tyler, let's get back on topic okay. since you're harassing me. Um, Tyler, during my tea time, I'm filling up my water. Tell me all the uh, terrible things that you watch that no one should ever watch in from 2020. Oh, you know... I didn't watch a lot of this this year, actually, because, um, you know, who has time for it? Artemis Fowl? Fuck you. Answer the goddamn question. Artemis Fowl is pretty bad. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy uh, with Glenn Close and A.B. Adams. Man, Glenn Close is probably getting an Oscar nomination in that movie, but whoo, that's a, that's a shitbag of a movie. Um, <laughs> a shitbag of a Becky movie. Becky with uh, Kevin James is like a serial killer. That's a weird thing. What a movie Halloween. Hubie, yeah, you know, people liked Hubie Halloween no, a bunch. Oh, who people? And I would say that it's better than most of the Netflix Adam no. Sandler's, but it's still, like, not good. No. It's not good. If you like Hubie Halloween, you can just fuck off You didn't off even this watch podcast. it, so you don't even know. I saw a Netflix trailer, <laughs> and that was enough to know that that movie fucking blows. People liked it. It's a hit. They'll probably who make people? Hubie Halloween, too. If you're listening to this podcast, look at its like rating. That. It's probably rating on the. It's rated high, I bet. No! Yes, even, like, good reviews. And that's what's wrong with America. Is it? That's what's wrong with America? I mean, that is a symptom of what's wrong with people. You know, that's funny because I saw um, when the Capitol riot was going on, there was a guy with a flag that was like, Hoobie Halloween! Oh my god, that's not amazing, but that would be funny. That didn't happen, I don't think. I don't think. I mean, I didn't see all the videos. I didn't watch all the footage. It could have happened. Let's just, I mean, it, I don't know. And of course, that's did. not funny. People died. I was just saying. Well, this got awkward. <laughs> Thanks for that. And I think we're tied in awkward moments created in this podcast. Yes! One to one. Yes. <laughs> I didn't watch a lot of bad. I didn't. That's the thing. I didn't watch a ton of that stuff this year. It's not a thing I did. You did watch a lot of Christmas movies. Yeah, but not a lot of even the straight-to-video ones. And I gotta be honest, the one I did watch, Princess Switch 2 Switched Again, I kind of enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens is delightful in three roles. (laughs) Didn't make my top ten. Sorry. Spoiler alert. She's not gonna be in the top five. Sorry, Sorry, Hudgens. Alright, we're moving on to my number four. Oh, okay. What is it? Pixar's Soul. I'm so glad you picked this. Of course you are. You told me that I had to or you were going to punch me in the throat. No, I said that if you don't pick it, I need to, like, take something out. Because it was originally in my print one, but I wanted... So I knew you were going to do... Now, when you say print one, you need to explain yourself, because not everyone knows what you mean. I write a film column weekly uh, and for a newspaper, and I did a top 10 list... A top 20 list for them a, a couple weeks ago, and that was in my top 10. But no, see... I I like a lot of movies, and I have a hard time, like, past number five. Like, honestly, it's a real mix and match. I could, things could interchange. So knowing that you were going to put it in, I knew that I could include Spontaneous, which I really wanted to uh, put in the list. So I'll tell you what I liked about Soul. Soul is really good. I like that it um, was a movie about a character who was aspiring to play jazz. Which is calls back to your life. Calls back to my high school days of playing jazz and my connection to music and being inspired by music and and meeting you and going to jazz festival and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like that it's about death and life after death 
and meaning of life and the purpose of living when you're here. And I feel like those are such heavy topics that are so important to talk about with your kids, to talk about with your spouse, to just think about like, why are we on this planet and what, what judges failure and success and have I lived a good life if, and you know, what, what really matters. And I feel like for a Pixar flick to take this on is typical of Pixar, yeah. but I feel like it's very, very focused. In this well, movie. and they, what it's good about it, it's Pete Doctor who made Inside Out and there's similarities in terms of how he depicts abstract things, right? Mm-hmm. So at Inside Out's about emotionals. This is about kind of your soul and your, your spark of life and your spark or your inspiration, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's a different visualization, but the way that it's handled is pretty clever, I would say. It, you know, it gives you a very visual, like fun thing to look at, but also it doesn't steer away from the, you know, the questions, the existential questions. So yeah. Jamie Foxx is the lead. Uh, Tina Fey is in it. Uh, you know, there's some criticism out there about some of this because uh, it's, you know, it's Pixar's first um, African-American lead. Uh, they brought in a, a co-director to kind of cope with that, which I think was probably very smart because who knows what it was before that. But I, I you know, I don't even want to get into that because I, I don't necessarily agree with that criticism. Um, I really found the movie to be a story that is fairly universal. Uh, and so I, I appreciate the details of who the character was, but I... I, I don't worry about the criticism so much because I feel like the movie is very much a, a universal story that it's it's for everybody and it's the ideas are for everybody and and where it ultimately lands I think is quite powerful in a surprising way I I was wondering how this movie was going to because Pixar does this right they are really good at giving you a good punchy <laughs> sentimental tear potentially inducing ending even their other movie this year onward i feel like has a really strong ending like mm-hmm. it's 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 a kind of a lesser pixar story overall in terms of its plotting mm-hmm. but it it kind of lands in a really nice place um and this one is similar i wasn't really expecting how it would end um but it turns out to be quite powerful in a very simple nuanced way which is uh you know pixar for you they're good they're good at that stuff Yeah, I'm disappointed that there's criticism for it about race stuff. I think that racial criticisms and conversations are good and important. Important. I worry that this kind of criticism will discourage movie makers from telling a story with black characters because they're going to be like, well, if I can't check all the exact right boxes, I'm going to get fucking hosed. So maybe I just stick with the white story. And to steer around, I mean, to just to kind of talk about it a little bit, it is kind of how Princess and the Frog got criticized and that, you know, okay, we have a black princess, but then she gets turned into a frog within 30 minutes. Right. And, and I get that. And there's a history of that. Um, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. That, I mean, the other thing you got to remember is that the movie was not conceived as a, a specifically black story, and so I don't know. To me, as a white guy, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem like I get. And I think that I think the criticism is fair game. I think it's worthy of discussing it, and re, you should and go read that stuff, it. right? Because sure. yeah. you, you should be aware of kind of why this tends to happen. But I, 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 I willing because the story is so strong, and it's so enjoyable, and our, you know, it's just a, it's a fun, funny movie. You know, I don't care that Tina Fey is a white woman doing yeah. certain things, and that think, it works. And that, like, yeah. I think we can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt in terms yes. of it being a positive depiction. And if you look at the intent, yes. the intent is not to silence the black voice. It is not, the intent is, is not nefarious at all. No. So, you know, I think the criticism is fair game. I just, I personally don't subscribe to it. Yeah. And that's kind of strange of a, that's true of a lot this year in, in, 
controversial topics. We will talk about another movie that has a similar discussion. Like I said, Hamilton has had some reevaluation this year. So, I mean, I think it's fair game. It's a very weird cultural, political time. Yeah. And so these conversations are there. For me, it's always been... Um, for me, I, I respond well to the things that are important to me, but I also st- respond well to storytelling mm-hmm. and really strong storytelling and character work. And so for me, when I'm watching movies, these are the things I tend to latch, latch on to more than I worry about, like, the political undertones of something. Yes. So that's that's me. Other people can do what they want. Yes. What I like about Soul is it, it touches on the topic of, like, at what point do you quit? And you and I have talked about this a lot, yeah. you know, in Raising Kids of... Even if you're passionate about something, if at what point do you say, okay, I haven't made it, maybe this is a hobby, not a career. Right. And when are you a quitter versus like just admitting where you are and, and, and maybe opening your eyes to other opportunities that speak right. to your strengths and your passions and yeah. your sparks. And yeah. I think it's an important topic for millennials who, you know, I know a lot of us are feeling like... Oh God, I'm in my thirties and, 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 and in my thirties and I should have this all figured out and I should be successful and I should be at a certain point in my life. And yeah. I feel like it's a very relatable story as a, as a old millennial. And it was nice. They gave it to us right on Christmas day. If you have a Disney plus, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nice. It was a, it's a pick me up kind of movie in a very dark year. It certainly was a bigger pick, pick us up than uh, wonder woman, 1984. So yeah, why did you not list that in your garbage? I would put that in the biggest garbage. I know I didn't like it as much as you didn't like it. Or <laughs> I thought I it like, was. I disliked it more. I thought it was too weird to hate, so I couldn't hate it. It's one of those where it's like, okay, Sonic. It's trying for something. Like I don't know. Sonic the Hedgehog. My expectations were so low. Yeah. That it, but Sonic blasted that out of the water. Sure. And then that... Wonder Woman, I was so excited for that. I was like, I'm was the so only... disappointed. Partly because it was the only like a movie of that kind. I mean, Birds of Prey came out, but that was months before, which is pretty good. But um, you know, we didn't get any of those kind of movies this year. So when you get it, and it's like, oh, this is a weird mm, movie. Yeah. Uh, I could see where the where it. So sorry. Lands. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog is better than Wonder Woman. I mean, I would I would agree with that. Why are you saying it like that? I'm just saying you're that, nervous to agree with that. No, I just I agree with that because I surprisingly like Sonic the Hedgehog, but I don't think Wonder Woman '84 is like an awful movie. I it's think it's weird. Awful. It's just disappointing it's and disappointing. boring and not that entertaining. So your number four is Soul, Soul. Disney Plus. It's yes. on there. Okay, my number four uh, might be your number three. Oh, so I thought we had the same number three. Oh, I don't know. Never mind. Okay, well, we'll have to probably wait to talk about this one as well. My number four is Promising Young Woman. Oh, that's my num- number up Don't there. give it away. It's not... It, yeah. Okay. It's on my list. So, Promising Young Woman, it was teased at the beginning of this episode. We just talked about it last week. Hey, we're going to talk about it again in a little bit because it's higher on your list, but my number four is Promising Young Woman. Gotcha. Great. Go number to your three. Three? Oh, this, this one. This is where we matched up. We can talk about it at the same time because we have the same number three. On your mark, get set, Go. I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, I didn't oh, know what you were trying awkward. to do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. No. Um, that's what I should have done. That would have been funny. Would have been better. Yeah. Rather than just I left you hanging though, which was also kind of funny. Yeah, you're kind of an asshole, yeah. but I think, you know, the people have grown to know that about you. Okay, so this is probably on both our lists, the most divisive title on the list. I have a feeling that a lot of people that watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things absolutely hate it because it is very weird, very challenging. It's not entirely clear. <laughs> I, I would say 
I think it'd be pretty normal to come out of it not entirely sure what happened. <laughs> That's such a good feeling, though. Yeah. And, and last year I picked, um, what movie did I pick? Those Sorry really to Bother You? Yes. Which is also very good. And This and is this is denser than that, though, even. It's denser, but yeah. I think it's important, people, that in our lives we hold space for bizarre shit that is unusual mm-hmm. and extraordinary and makes us feel strange and makes us feel uncomfortable and have a space in your life for that. And this movie, I'm thinking of ending things, can be that for you this and, year. And here's the other thing. Like, you know, Charlie Kaufman is the writer-director here, and a lot of people love Charlie Kaufman for some of his screenplays like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind being John Malkovich, right? Adaptation. The movies he's directed and written are um, Synecdoche, New York, and um, the animated movie, which I also really like, and I can't think of it at the moment. Oh, I can't believe I was facing it. Um, awkward moment number two But he has made, um, as a filmmaker, as a director, he's gone far Far yes. into the strain, more than his other movies had passed before. He'll go. So I mean, Schenectady of New York. Another movie I haven't seen is in ten years. A lot of people haven't don't like either. But, but it goes in like forty layers, yep. left, right, upside down. So you're like, what the? Where the fuck? What? And so does this. And so <laughs> um, does this. Anomalisa is the animated movie. Oh, perfect. Um, which is more narratively fluid than these other two ones. But Synecdoche, New York was a movie I really responded to and loved. And yeah. I remember if we're, you know, what did Roger say? We get to actually what do it this Roger time. Say? He was famously in love with Synecdoche, New York, gave it four stars when a lot of people didn't like it. Oh. I remember reading that before we went and saw it, and it kind of primed you a little oh, bit for what was going on. Possibly. You and I loved it, though. Yeah, it was great. And I, but we and, were like, what the fuck? And I've that? watched it more than you have. In the, it's yes. dense. It's, you know. And so as I'm thinking of ending things, it's about this relationship. These two, this couple is on their way to meet the parents of the the kid. It's Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons. Jesse Buckley was a breakout in Wild Rose last year. Jesse Plemons, you you know him from a hundred things, including Friday Night Lights and Breaking Bad and lots of movies, right? Um, but it's right off the bat very strange. Like she's, you know, we're hearing her in her monologue. She's thinking of ending things, which she keeps saying to us. We don't know. What she means by that, she's looking at the camera over the shoulder or shoulder. I just... And this is the narratively... This is We watched it the first night it came out. And we watched it together for the first time. And it was... I mean, this is is like the normal easy part to follow, where it's very weird. And then they get to the house, and there's a a janitor that keeps cutting to. Who's this janitor? Why are are we watching this guy? They get to the parents' house. It's Tony Collette Collette and Marcus... Not Marcus. Rufus Sewell... And they're acting in a strange way, and the, the dinner scene is... Uh, and they're old. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're not old. They're changed. They're, everybody's changing appearances. The lights change. The colors change subtly. And that's not even the most... It gets even crazier than yes. that. And I think a lot of people will go into it and be frustrated. They'll think it's up its own ass. They'll think it's pretentious. They think it won't make sense. And fine. That's totally okay. But I would say if you, like... Really, like, watch it and try to get entranced in it. It's just... Th- I, th- I found it to be thrilling. Like, it's just as... It's, you know, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed yeah. to be... Make you feel weird. I think it, at the end, it's supposed to make you feel kind of bad. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, and that's what he was going for. And I just... I, I personally just love that challenge. I loved um, going on that journey and trying to kind of decipher what the hell was going on. And, you know, I think I have a pretty good sense of it. And I, I think it has some some pretty intense messages in there um jesse buckley's incredible in this she's a she's required to do so much and to change in so many ways over the course of the movie um 
that it it she's it's it's a just incredible. I I loved her in it. Um, but yeah, just because of the vice of this, like she'll never get nominated for an Oscar for this, which is just crazy to me. She does the most work of anybody. It seems yeah. like. Um, I yeah, it's visually dynamic. I think he continues to get better as like a as a filmmaker. Um, I don't know. I I, I it's one I always I every time I've told anybody. Like even when I like we mentioned my dad when I said watch One Night in Miami I think I remember when I saw that I was like oh I watched I'm thinking of anything it's Charlie Kaufman he's like oh is that good I was like oh, I loved it but you should not watch it <laughs> it's like it, it, my advice is like do you want to watch a movie where you're like what the fuck it's work I mean it's work what the fuck is happening is this a horror movie oh it my does, god is something it, terrible it has a happen? horror vibe going and then in like a lot of it. what the fuck is time what's happening what's yeah. happening and in I, the like la- I mean and the last ten though. minutes is just really out there it's bizarre it Bizonko. really goes it's amazing i mean even even this is based on a book this is, he adapted this right and the book kind of reveals the truth but he charlie kaufman still can't help himself he like like he goes mm-hmm. even way off into that distance on the ending like he just goes way far away from that and this is a movie that as soon as we finish watching it I want to go online and read what everyone's theories are. Yeah. Or, like, what did I miss? And then I want to go back and watch it and pick up all the little hints and, and, see, and I feel, stuff. I feel like if there's that much discussion to be had about it, it can't be... It can't be... I don't know. I just, it, I just don't like... When, like, critics put it on, like, their worst level, it's like, I think that's shitty. Because it's like, yeah. no, first of all, no. If there's if it can well, spawn that yeah. kind of discussion, there's no way. Um, and that's why, I like, Tenet, which I think is a flawed movie, but, I mean... It's going for stuff, and I feel like you can't reject it. Yes. You know, just because something doesn't, not everything works doesn't mean that you can just completely dismiss it's it. It's aiming high. It's trying for something. Right. Instead of just having a, a blah script with blah acting and, yeah. you know, crappy plot. You're That's going for something. And, you know, and Tenet, I think, is three-fourths of a pretty good movie. Yeah. But, you know, and that's okay. Like, the ambition is is commendable, I think. Worthy, I yeah. think you should go for it. I like the swing. That's why I like Spike Lee. That's why I like Charlie Kaufman. I like the swing. Yeah. Even if you whiff every now and again, I like the swing. Yeah. And, you know. That's why I kind of like, that's why I can't resist, I can't re- completely reject Wonder Woman 1984 right away. Because, God, like it or not, uh, it's taken a swing in a couple, a couple is ways. It? Yeah, it is. It's, who makes a Wishmaster sequel in a Wonder Woman movie? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the last thing I want to say about I'm thinking of anything is to all the fucking people mm-hmm. that I've heard in conversation say, all they ever make is comic book movies and sequels. Can't anybody come up with something original? Fuck you. This is an original movie. Go watch it and shut up. The thing is, is that these movies are not like, well, this is a weird year because everything was watched at home. But like these movies, he would have never gotten this financed anywhere else but Netflix. Yeah. It's kind of like Spike Lee, fresh off of like Oscar winning Black Klansman, turned to Netflix for Defy Bloods, which is expe- – I mean it was like a – for him it was a big budget. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a lot of studios that would have given him that for that particular story. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not financially sound, right? If that had come out in theaters, there's no way. I don't think it would have made his budget back, even if it's got great reviews. So we're in this weird thing. Who would have given Martin? I know it's Martin Scorsese, but he's openly said when he made The Irishman, a three and a half hour movie where he de-aged Robert De Niro. Who's he gave him a hundred million? Netflix gave him a hundred million. No one else was going to give Martin Scorsese money for that. And that's crazy. I mean, that's just the way we're at. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not bankable. And now, who knows? Because of the way that the pandemic has knocked out. Movie theaters, I mean, the only thing we're ever going to get is giant movies in theaters and hope that these streaming services keep giving us... Good quality, original content. There's so much original stuff. 
I don't want to hear anybody complaining that there's nothing good in I think this has been a really good year for movies, oddly. Um, yeah. Maybe better than some recently, and that's with most of the big movies off this calendar. So. And maybe it's because there were less distractions from some, some of these smaller movies. Maybe, yeah. There you go. Thinking okay. of everything. Are both of our number threes. Yes. So does that mean we go to your number two? Yeah. Okay. That's the flow. Okay. That's how we count. So number two for you, I believe, was my number four. Promising Young Woman, which we just watched. We did. It's I uh, just watched. You had watched again. It's from writer-director Emerald Fennell, who runs... She's a showrunner. I think it's Killing Eve. Is that right? Sure. Um, she's also an actor. She's in, like, The Crown a little bit. Um, so this is her film debut, Carrie Mulligan. Uh, it's pitched as a revenge tale. Uh, uh, something terrible has happened to her in her past, to her friend, to herself. She was in med school. She dropped out. And now she's going to bars, pretending to be drunk, uh, luring guys who are seemingly trying to do the right thing of, oh, I'll take you home. Oh, we'll make sure you get in the cab, blah, blah, blah. And then... And these, then, oh, hey, why don't we just... Oh, my apartment's right here. Why don't we just swing by my apartment? Why don't you come on up? These nice guys don't seem to be so nice. And then, lo and behold, hey, Carrie Mulligan's not actually drunk. She kind of snaps out of it suddenly, and uh, things ensue. Um, and the movie will have you believe it is, like, this kind of satisfying revenge tale of, like, woman scorned, blah, 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 right? Um, what I loved about it is that it is it is about revenge, but in a way that is, I think, realistic, that I think kind of is more of a commentary on what that is it is very much about um post me too and what that means is what you know who we believe why do we believe them it is um kind of destroys the idea of uh, of nice guys and what they look like and how that could be anybody or it could not be anybody um it's great it's it's another one that has a lot of um, commentary about, particularly yeah. for its last half hour or so. And I get it. I understand the criticism. To me, I feel like that is the only ending and the only way that this movie goes that feels right. Um, mm-hmm. And Carrie Mulligan's extraordinary in it. Bo Burnham, really, really good. He's the comedian, um, made eighth grade. And, you know, he's he's kind of this other side of the story. Like, here's this guy who really likes her for her. And they're trying to grow this relationship, but she's got this, like, she's got this past she can't let go of, and it's just this conflict that, um, that eventually comes to her head. It's, it's amazing. I was, uh, nervous to have you watch it, because I wasn't so sure. I just wasn't sure what you'd think, because I think it's a, like I said, it's a big, it, like, what I appreciate, it's a big swing, and it really tries for something that, um, you know, that is about, um, what it's like to be, um, a woman of a certain age and as a white dude it's always hard to tell whether if I respond to something if that is like a realistic response or if I'm just like responding to the yeah. storytelling and not what I thought the what I was I found to be a very powerful message as well yeah but you're this like nice little feminist too but am okay. I not because this is about nice guys what if well, I'm what? not what if yeah. I'm not a nice guy I, I love you know? this movie because there aren't many movies out there that shine the light on the that shine a mirror on the ugly truth of nice white guys and nice whatever color guys yeah. who 
who take advantage of drunk girls. And mm-hmm. they think that there's a lot of guys who justify it in their mind as not being, it's not rape if she's drunk and mm-hmm. she's sort of into it. It's fine. I'm drunk too. It's fine. And I feel like this is such an important story to share because I feel like there's a lot of guilty men out there who who need to do some self-reflection and maybe wake up a little bit. But also, like, it's it's very much about that, but it's also, what that's is what I really appreciate. It is unafraid to kind of look at this character of Cassie through a light of, like, wh- is she, what is she doing? Is what she's doing right? Yeah. You know, what what is she doing that's not, not okay here? And is it what is this what is the revenge feeling in her what is what has made her what has turned her what has she become essentially mm-hmm. and i don't know i I think that we see that in revenge tales but it's usually very it's much more blunt it's usually yes. violence tinged and this is very psychological and i really i i like that and i think it comes to a pretty um truthful conclusion on that front too of like kind of what revenge is and what you think it will be and what it really is. Um, I just, I found it to be powerful and I love it. It's on premium VOD. It's like 20 bucks, but man, is it good? It is good. If you are someone who's had like sexual trauma in your past, it could definitely be triggering for you. Yes. Um, yes, but, um, it is pretty, there's a couple things that are, plot important that are not shown. I think very specifically talked about this last time on, our previous episode that one of the things I really liked about it is it avoids the we're going to show you a rape scene and I feel like so many movies that aren't even about rape have a rape scene in it yeah and yeah. this movie although the topic is uh, is as a rape is around that um doesn't blatantly show that it shows it you know you you get what's happening I think it's key that it is a, it's it's written and directed by a woman yeah I think that is a very important aspect of this um because i don't know if uh, uh um subconsciously or not i don't know if a male director knows the importance of not doing certain things yeah and i think yeah. that even if you are someone who could be triggered it's still a really good movie to watch because it it validates the wreckage that happens yeah. to not just the survivor but and I will the say people that, yeah. around her and uh and very I'll, powerful and i'll say the tough stuff is probably should be triggering for everybody i guess is my my tease on that look at you i like that you know what i mean like i think that there's there's a there's some things that happen that you i they are meant to mess you up (laughs) right like you're meant you're meant to respond you're meant to respond that way so um anyway it's your number two it's my number four at this point it could easily have been yeah. my two or my one it's or my three. A, it's such a memorable yeah. show. And it's not just all hard. It's entertaining. Oh, it's There's funny. There's laughs yeah. in it. You love the characters. You're following them along. You're rooting Bo, for them. Bo Burnham and uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan have very good chemistry together. So, yeah, there's, so that's there's a whole other side to it. There. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it hits on many levels. It's not just like a, a drag to watch. It's, it's very entertaining. Yep. Promising Young Woman. A great movie. Yeah. Okay. My number two. I cheated. What? <laughs> I kind of cheated because I chose cheat. maybe you could consider this television because it was an Amazon Prime thing. They are campaigning it as for Emmys instead of Oscars. Mm-hmm. But it is five individual films made by Steve McQueen that are collectively called Small Acts. They are all separate stories though, and they're all not they're connected in in that they are about 
uh, a West Indian immigrant community in London over, you know, different periods of time, 60s, 70s, 80s. And so um, they are all individual films. The longest is two hours. Most of them are about an hour to an hour and 20 minutes, though. So they, they qualify as feature length, but... This is why I made um, small acts collectively my number two. Small acts like a chopping axe. Yes. Not acts like yeah. Most you most top ten lists of critics and stuff over the you have around the country will either for the most part have Lovers Rock installment as in their top ten, or some of them even have Mangrove, which is the trial based one. Um, I feel like. They're all they're all quite good. Like they're all mm-hmm. excellently, just really wonderfully made. I like Lovers Rock for what it is. I mean, it, that's the one that's this big dance party at this. Uh, I actually house. Watched you that actually one. watched that one, and, and it's just a very immersive sixty-seven minutes of of. But it, you know, it makes room to tell all these little stories in a room. It's pretty extraordinary. Um, but what I but I I'll, but I tended I ended up like really kind of kind of personally responding to a couple of the other entries a little bit more. I really liked um, the last one, Education, which is about this kid who's struggling. He gets sent to like the the quote unquote dumb school mm-hmm. because he you know he's a disruptive just a little bit of a disruption in class. And so at the dumb school they're not doing anything and he's just he's getting nothing and he can't read very well and it's kind of about these parents who slowly have to realize that like they're getting screwed like they're sending kids of a certain race to a different school to basically be forgotten about. And what I loved about education is that it really starts to kind of put the whole project in focus about what this is all about. Mangrove is a, a, a trial based thing about a protest. That movie itself, I think is personally better in almost every way to the big uh, Netflix movie, the trial of Aaron Chicago seven, mm-hmm. which I think is good. And will pop that one will get Oscar nominations. I think Mangrove is like, a similar movie of a similar topic that is much better directed and, and, and better. Less star wattage. Um, Red, White, and Blue is about John Boyega, Boyega from Star Wars fame. He is a guy who decides to join the police force in his this community, and his family and his friends are really not okay with it because the police have treated them so terribly. Mm-hmm. He's great. It's his best, best role he's ever had. Um, and then Alex Weddle is about a, a writer who, you know, got sent to jail for a little while and it's got this jail story. And so when you put them all together, it really kind of tells this – it really weaves the story of this whole community and this whole – you know, these people and, and what the struggle was over this course of time and how things evolve. And Steve McQueen's such a um, detail-focused director. He made, like, Widows, 12 Years a Slave. Um, I just – to me, it was hard to say I like this one movie. I yeah. felt like they really – work better when you put them together in your mind, cool. even though they're all about different people yeah. and there's no crossover character wise. But so that's why I feel like it's, it's it one counts. entry. It's it two one. and they're movies. And so, yeah, it's a cheat because it's technically five movies, but to me it's one entity and it's it was series. Yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah, I really, really, um, latched onto it. Where can I watch that? That's on Amazon prime. I would say, you know, a lot of people will steer you toward uh, lovers rock. But I would say watch them all. I don't know. I, I think that they – and Lover's Rock is very non-conventional. Cause it's, I would say Lover's Rock I didn't super love. It's non-conventional. It, it, it doesn't have a – and you were you were kind of doing some other stuff and you were like latched onto the scene. When everybody's, this is the scene that always gets quite uh, praised too where they like go into acapella with the song. And it was funny watching you watch it because you're just like, how's this going on for a long time? <laughs> it was going on for a long time. 
And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Lover's Rock is pretty uh, extraordinary as a piece of, like, kind of original filmmaking and what it's doing and how it's doing it. I personally latched on to three of the other movies a little bit more. So, yeah. And I liked Lover's Rock, but I think yeah. together. And especially I like Lover's Rock in relation to the other ones. Yeah. Because it tells a very different story. And it's actually one of the few where you see, um, you know, some of these characters feeling good, being happy. Because a lot of them are struggling through a lot of stuff. And so it, it's a nice compliment. So... Small Axe, it's on Amazon Prime. Watch them all, man. They're good. That's your number two, baby. Where are we at the end? This is the end. Okay. Oh, is that the name of a movie? That was. That was one of your favorite movies whenever that came out. What is that one? That's that Seth Rogen End of the World movie with him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> ah, come on, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the senior member, which is great. Uh, yeah, what's your number one? Oh, I think it. I think I know because it was on my list already. We couldn't talk about it yet. Go ahead. That's right. Please listen to me. Please listen. I see you. You're saying the person trying to kill you is in the room right now, but we can't see him? Someone's sitting in that chair. He has figured out a way to be invisible. That's ridiculous. You don't know him. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Show yourself! Come on! My number one was a movie that you, another one that you were nervous to show me because you weren't sure if I would like it or not. And the second this movie started playing, I was like on the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah. It's so good. The Invisible Man is the name yeah. of the movie. I don't think if I was nervous. I, I honestly, I thought it would be like, if I had to guess, oh, okay. when I, when you, when we spun it, I was like, this is going to be Angie's favorite movie of the year. Because well, of what you what you yeah. tend to respond to in okay. terms of like thrillers, right? Yeah. I knew as a thriller, I think I might have been nervous about like I think she might really like this movie, but what if she doesn't? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, do. I really like yeah, this movie. I figured you would. You know, I like a good thriller. Mm-hmm. And in and, and I and but I don't, but I do. And right you away. You were like wanting the lights on, then you're like wanting the lights off, yes. and you're wanting the lights on, and you're wanting the lights off. And I was like, What the fuck is happening? Oh right. my god, oh my god, right in the first scene. Okay, so there's a couple reasons I like this movie. Okay. One, it has um Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss. Moss, who's so good. Great and everything. So good. Handmaid's Tale and Mad Men and And everything mm-hmm. she's in. Um, so it starts off, the first opening scene is, like, her living in this, like, really, really, really fancy ha- house, and it's the middle... By the ocean or yeah, whatever. Yeah, by the ocean. It's gorgeous. It's the middle of the night, and she's packing her bag and leaving, and you can tell that she's, like, escaping, like, a domestic violence yeah. situation, and it is intense, and it's tense. And this is a high-tech guy. He's got cameras everywhere. Cameras and alarms, yep. and immediately you're pulled in, and you're like... Oh my god! Oh no, my god! No, no sound, like no, no music. It's just like maybe a little bit, but it's very quiet, and you're yeah. just like looking around. You know, it's it's pretty, pretty crazy. It just pulls you in yeah. immediately, and in, and the stakes get high immediately because he like catches up to her and like breaks a car window, yeah. which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes into so that the first whatever half of this minutes, movie, yeah, first half of this movie oh. is this like oh thriller. Well, of, right, I mean weird shit happening so with this, the invisible man this is the invisible man <laughs> you know there's at some point like sh- she thinks that there's someone stalking her who's not there um yeah. this man is out of her life he seemingly died yeah. in another incident and sh- it things are happening around her um and what i love about it is it's definitely another uh, yet another story of like 
abuse and uh, believing people when they are, you know, cl- making claims and, 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 you know, how we kind of put people in boxes of hysteria because of trauma in their past. And so it's easy to, you know, dismiss off. or yeah. to say it's, oh, it's PTSD or, you, you know, you're, you're still, you've still been damaged by something and, and how that's not always, you know, there, there's a lot more nuance to that, right? And, you know, there is a real threat here. Um, and it's pretty ingeniously done, like, just some of this actual scares for a while, right? It's terrifying. Like, the way that this w- gets played out is is pretty incredible. And then what I love about it, this is directed by Lee Winnell. Um, it knows when to move on from a thing. Yeah. Like, there's a point in the movie where it's not the what it was before, and it take it takes a it takes quite a shocking turn, mm-hmm. um, and it and it, to the point where you're like, well, what how's this movie going to continue now, or what's going to happen now? And it turns into something else. Like it turns more, uh, it's straight horror for forty five minutes to an hour, and then it, it you know still a very much a thriller, but kind of leans more into kind of the sci fi action. It yeah. knows when to kind of yep. take a turn, so you're not like feeling worn out by what it's doing because you would get worn out with the amount of like terror that she goes through <gasps> just, you just get worn out I'm at some point out just even thinking right. about it I'm so like, yeah <sighs> this is very much just like um i i figured you like it because of your previous like liking of the conjuring and uh not hereditary but Mid- midsummer you liked Mid- you liked hereditary as well but what's the other one that you, the witch yeah I like to get a good thriller horror in yeah. there. Something that gets my blood pumping. And what I like about this one is it's not like gore horror and it's not like a uh, ghosty haunting kind of horror. It's, but it, yeah, but, but it, it is kind of a ghost story. Is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a, it, that's what's fun about it. And it's, um, yeah, and Elizabeth Moss is, is great. And I and it, it just, I think that the, the way that it, it is about something too, not just this, I think you... It's a very smart way of doing the the Invisible Man. I think it was a clever reboot and making it very much a relevant story that yeah, makes sense to now. The Invisible Man, the ex boyfriend, has a motivation yeah. to hurt her and always has. Yeah, and that's terrifying. Yeah, so it like makes it a very like relatable. And you know, it's sci fi, it's supernatural. You know, some of the things are not necessarily the like, most realistic things that can happen, but yeah. it, like the. The universe of the movie makes sense, and that's yeah. what I think is is important. And it's one of those movies where you can be like, "Oh shit, what would I do?" Mm-hmm. Or "Oh my god, what is she gonna do?" Like, "What would I do?" And I I love a good movie like that where you can be like, "Oh, grab the pan," or "Oh, go, <laughs> no, what are you hiding there?" Because <laughs> as we know, you have a scale where you like to measure, like, you know, your excitement yes. level of a movie. Yes. This is how you make a list. You you measure yes. these things, and you tend to put a little more weight on things that really get grab a hold of you and keep you on the edge of your seat so yeah something that um touches my emotions yeah whether it's sadness or fear or hysteria or that's why you usually have a comedy on your like a big comedy yeah, on something your that makes me laugh had a lot of those this year or tough. how i'm thinking of anything makes me just super uncomfortable and confused yes love it like i want to be entertained and pulled into someone else's world and i want to feel something different than the monotony of fucking 2020 you want to feel something yes and The Invisible Man definitely definitely got me there. That is on HBO Max if you want to watch it right now. Yeah. See? I know where all these things are playing. Good job, Tyler. Yeah. Okay, my number one. I'm sorry. It's something that is currently not available to watch. And I haven't seen, so fuck you, and then fuck you again. 
I watched this as part of the New York Film Festival virtual. You know, they allowed, you know, I bought a ticket for it to watch when it happened in September or October. It's called Nomadland. It is coming soon. It'll be is on it? Hulu on February 19th. Oh, so right a lot of people who listen to this, it'll be already available and you can watch oh, it. That's um, that's so yeah, because they're trying to do, you know, they're trying to make it some Oscars and stuff like that. Um, and it is a front runner, I suppose. It's weird to consider my number one movie to be like the one that is like got heat. I think it, I, I personally don't think it's going to win like best picture. I think it's too like quiet to do that. Um, but it is Frances McDermott as, um, a woman who, you know, she used to work, uh, in a small town. That factory shut down. Her husband has died. And so she kind of work, gets seasonal work. Um, and she, you know, her, her stint at Amazon on the holidays is over and she decides she's going to kind of take on this nomad lifestyle and kind of follow these other people and they go get seasonal work and they stay in these RV, um, RV stop. Yeah. What are they called? Yeah. RV, RV parks, RV parks. Um, and it's Frances McDermott and she's interacting with kind of a mix of actors and real life people who are kind of the people that are in this based on a book that was about some of these people. And so some of those interactions are there with her. David Strathairn is an actor in it. Um, and it's Chloe Zhao who made uh, The Writer, which is another kind of movie that blends – that's a movie about a, a rodeo star who's a real rodeo star, had a real injury, and then she kind of surrounded him with actors. And so it's kind of similar in that regard. Um, but, man, Frances McDermott, it's, it's, she's so great. It's not at all – what I love about McDermott is that we remember her for Fargo, Fargo. a big performance. Yeah. Remember her even for um, Three Billboards, right? A big acerbic yeah. kind of character. Um, this is a very quiet uh, performance from her, but very magnetic. You were kind of just like sucked into her, kind of her world. And what I like, and it's smart because she's acting with these real people. And you always, you know, you know it's Frances McDormand, but she, it's, I don't know a lot of actors she who would be able to in. blend in with them and to kind of be able to share a scene where it feels really genuine. And it's beautiful to look at. It makes like, <laughs> she works at like Wall Drug mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, middle of South Dakota, right? We've been there. Yeah. Um, South Dakota, North Dakota. I think it's South One Dakota. One of those Dakotas in the middle um, of fucking nowhere. It, and it, like, if you go through there, it's not exactly the most exciting part of the, the drive, right? But it, I mean, she films it beautifully. It makes it look beautiful. And it's just like kind of about these people and about this lifestyle. And I think it's very, um, not just about these people, but also just kind of about a certain type of American who's, you know, struggling, these older Americans who have, their kids have grown up or they don't have somewhere to work. And so it's kind of very much about that. And I found it to be just oddly moving as it went along. It just really, it really kind of builds to something, not like a big plot thing, but it just, I don't know. I was very emotional at the end of it, which I I think is just by the, the machinations of what it is and who it's about. And you just kind of feel for these characters. So I saw it then I loved it and I assumed it was probably going to stay on the top of the list and then it lo and behold it did. Number 1. Nomad Land. I'm curious to watch it again. I it's one of those where you worry though, right? You're like is the spell going to be still there when you watch it the second time or I kind of felt that way when I saw Parasite last year and then that was one of the last movies we got to see in the theater. It came got re-released and you hadn't seen it so we went and saw it in the theater and I was like Oh, this movie holds up. It's amazing. Yeah. Like like it's great when something holds up like that, I right? I feel like you, you know you yeah. know if it's going to hold up. You know it's going to I think good. it will. Uh it, you know, it's again it's not a not a huge plot-based movie, but um I don't know. It's just if you like cinema and you like beautiful imagery and you like good acting, I don't know. It's pretty great. <laughs> pretty low-key though. Yeah, it's a low-key movie, but I mean, 
I don't know. Sometimes those are really enjoyable. It's about slowing down a little bit, so yeah. you know, I think it's it's kind of uh, kind of necessary. So Chloe Zhao, she's great. She's Sounds doing a Marvel good. movie that was supposed to come out this year. She had the Eternals, I think, and mm-hmm. so that got booted down the line. But that's going to be fascinating because she does not seem like the kind of filmmaker. But I'm excited about it because that means. You know, I think what we've seen in, out of WandaVision is that I'm excited to see that we can do Marvel stories that aren't the same yeah. looking thing. So, yeah. get some creativity in there. Nomad lands my number one. All right. That got us from 10 to 1 for both of us. Any oh, other wow. special prizes from you? I got one more special prize, but it's just real quick. Um, well, first, I'll just real quick, I'll. My eleven through twenty ish. Oh, you're doing that? You didn't tell me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm just gonna tell you the other titles because I wrote it. So I'm gonna say. Fine. uh, Eleven was Soul. Twelve Palm Springs. Two movies that were on your list. Yes. Thirteen First Cow, which is a pretty quiet little movie we talked about on the podcast. It's good. Um, The Vast of Night. That's another one I think you should watch. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. It is this like. Twilight Zone type of like fifties. Like we hear a signal in this in space. We don't know what's going on. Uh, it's really fun, but it's like a super low budget thing, but it, it just feels like a huge scale. The Vast of Night, it's really good. Uh, The Father is, uh, another one of these dimension movies that has Anthony Hopkins in a, uh, I didn't think I was going to like this movie, but he's so extraordinary. It's kind of a movie set in his mind as he's losing it. And so, and you don't realize that right away. And so, um, you see things from weird perspective. It's just a really dynamic way of kind of going through, what he, a person that might be struggling with their memory would go through, mm-hmm. and he's incredible in it. Um, Olivia Coleman is uh, also in it from like, uh, uh, you know, all that stuff. Sure. The Queen, and mm-hmm. you know, she just won an Oscar for whatever that movie was. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sound of oh no, uh, yeah, the Sound of Music, Sound of Metal. We did watch a little bit of Sound of Music the other day. Sound <laughs> of Metal. That is that. I've talked about that. That's a really great uh, movie. Cajillionaire, uh, very strange from Miranda July. Who made me and you and everyone you know? That's a really weird movie that you might enjoy too. Uh, Time, great documentary about some a family who's been separated by one of them being stuck in prison for a long time and the effort to kind of get him out. Uh, Minari was on my list. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom has got an amazing Chadwick Boseman final performance. Viola Davis is very good in it. And then Relic is a horror movie with a dementia tie to it. Um, very good. Forty Year Old Virgin, not the Forty Year Old Virgin version. It's about a playwright who decides to rap at age 40. It's on Netflix. Also very good. I think it was like 11 through 22. But there you go. Those are the next good ones. And then one more special prize. 2020 has been tough. It's 2020 now. It's still tough. But I'll tell you what helped me get to. 2020 now? 2021 now. Did I say 2020? I don't know. Who can tell? I don't know. I'll tell you what got me through this year. Okay. This is what my other special prize goes to. It goes to game shows. Just game shows in general. I thought you were going to say me. I thought you were going like, to have a sweet moment where you're like, I just want to d- take a moment to dedicate on the podcast how amazing my wife has been in a tough year. No, I'm not going to do that. She's the best wife of 2020. I'm not going to do that. No, it's game shows. <laughs> it's game shows. <laughs> Let's talk about more. game shows. Let's hear it. No, I just, it's it's one of the few things that they were able to like film or as we're watching Name That Tune right now, which is uh, very clearly was filmed before this, but somehow Fox held onto it for a year. I don't know how this happened, but there's it's definitely was not filmed this year. Yeah. Um, I just, it's great that we have them. Even The Price is Right figured out how to come back with social distancing. Yeah. I don't know what we would have done without... And by we, you mean you. Game shows. Yeah. And, you know, my current favorite. 
The Hustler with oh Craig Ferguson. Let's just spend at least two minutes talking about The Hustler. <laughs> People, if you have Hulu and you like listening to this or podcast... Or you just watch TV and it's on ABC, I think. Go watch The Hustler. Yeah. It is so fun to Trivia watch. questions, but one of them knows all the answers. They're secretly The Hustler, and you have to it's try like, to sort it out or it's whatever. It's like Clue plus The Weakest Link plus mm-hmm. oh, Survivor. Yeah. So yeah, it's fun. It's great. Craig Ferguson's a great host. But there's that. There's the weakest link with Jane Lynch. That's great. Yes. Name that great. tune. Don't remember when that came out. That was filmed prior, but we watched that with Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. Fun game show. Match game. Always, always fun with the match game and the mm-hmm. drunk celebrities. To tell the truth. Love to tell the truth. That's a great one. Always. Classic prices right on Pluto TV. <laughs> They have a whole channel now where it's just Bob Barker, but Price is Right, from the set. Yes, but it's Bob uh, Barker, Price is Right. And I like Drew Carey. I, I, I really like Drew Carey. Yeah. I think he's great. But Bob Barker, OG. And the pricing games that they never play anymore, they're on there. Amazing. Uh, 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 Jeopardy, of course. We lost Alex Trebek. Horrible. But we have Jeopardy still. Card Sharks with our friend Joel McHale, that, who's our friend. He knows us. We talked yeah. to him. He patted me on the head. He patted you on the head like Norm MacDonald once patted you on the head. No, Why do people pat you on the head? No, It was just didn't. Norm MacDonald that patted you on the head. Norm, it wasn't him. No. But I did Joel give McHale him a side did. hug. You gave him a side hug. Oh, he's so tall and he smells so good, even after doing a full set of yep. comedy. Yep. I have a crush Supermarket on. Sweep. Oh, good. I'm glad you have a crush on Joel Who McHale. wouldn't if you meet him in person? Okay. Supermarket Sweep with Leslie Jones. I have a crush on Leslie Jones, yeah. too. She's amazing. Even Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came back. Celebrity version. Um, watching Leslie Jones on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune was fun. We and I don't listen. And Wheel I don't of Fortune, like Wheel of Fortune has been ruined by too many extra Bullshit rules things. Yes, but um, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune was fun when Leslie Jones was on because yep. she was very excited to be there, and, and I she appreciate was very that. angry at the other contestants when they got puzzles and she didn't. She won a lot of money for a charity because she was good at it, but then she got real mad at Tony Hawk for stealing That's the prizes, right. <laughs> for stealing the stealing the puzzles that she worked so hard to uncover. Okay, but game shows, game shows, the special prize Here's of twenty twenty twenty. Thank game you for shows. your game shows. Go through your 10 through 1 real quick, just the titles. My 10 through 1. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Dark, seasons 1 through 3. Minari. Troop Zero. Minari. <laughs> what did I have it on here twice? Because you, you moved them around. <laughs> Magicians. Palm Springs. Soul. I'm Thinking of Anything's Promising Young Woman. And The Invisible Man. Okay. My 10 were Spontaneous. Number nine, One Night in Miami. Number eight, The Invisible Man. Number seven, Dick Johnson is Dead. Number six, The Five Bloods. Number five, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number four, Promising Young Woman. Number three, I'm Thinking of Editing Things. Number two, The Small Axe Anthology. And number one, Nomadland. Excellent. That is our top ten, plus all the special prizes from Tyler Wilson. We didn't, even mention, my top 10. we didn't even mention Tiger King once. Look at us. Good for us. You just mentioned But it. that's a good opportunity for go back to listen to our episode on Roar, which yes. is the greatest film ever made. Roar. <laughs> oh, my God. If you have not seen Roar, that go was, watch Roar. I think in previous episodes, we, we at the end usually ask, like, what was your favorite old Millennials movie you watched? And I would say that this year that was definitely Roar. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you watched a little bit or all of Tiger King first. Yeah. And then you watch Roar, you're just like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing pairing in the world. Yeah, it's a good pairing. So there you go. Roar. Classic. Available, at least at the time. Just for free on YouTube. On YouTube. <laughs> Maybe not legally. Maybe not anymore. Who knows? All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening. This has been our annual top movies and whatnot of 2020. Of the pandemic year. Best of the pandemic year. Pandemic year one. 
Now we're oh. into pandemic year two. Oh. Stop it. Oh, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will talk at you another movie. Bye-bye. <laughs>